You're listening to Art Affairs, episode 63. Today I'll be talking to Cryptic. So my name is Michael Faith, and this is Art Affairs. Art Affairs is my attempt at shining a spotlight on the many wonderful people that make up this amazing art community, featuring conversations with artists, gallerists, curators, telling their stories. You can dig through previous episodes, complete with show notes, at artaffairspodcast.com. But the best way to stay plugged in is to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And if you're really enjoying the show and want to help support what I'm doing here in an even bigger way, check out the Art Fairs Patreon. Not only does it give you an opportunity to help keep the show going, but there are several community-oriented benefits as well, like getting early access to episodes and suggesting questions for upcoming guests. You can find all the information about that at patreon.com slash artaffairs. You can also connect with the show on Instagram and Facebook at Artaffairs Podcast. All right, so today's guest is street artist Cryptic. Cryptic's art is an absolute vibe and really creates this visceral, you know, calming and and almost meditative experience for the viewers of his work. And on the show, we talk about this desire that he has to create a sort of transfer of peaceful energy through himself and, and his work. We also talk about how he first got started making art that was more fulfilling to him, the inspiration for his incredible letter forms, and a whole lot more. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Cryptic. Cryptic, welcome to the show, man. It's really good to have you on. Thank you so much, Michael. It's a pleasure to be here. All right. So I, I, let's dive a little bit into your background. And, and I've gotten conflicting reports about where you were actually born. I think probably the most credible of those had you in South Korea, but then very quickly moving to Southern California. So is that is that the one that was correct? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right on. Um, I was born in in South Korea, um, but I came to the States uh, when I was three years old. So, so you don't really have any memories of... of the- no, not. I mean, the only memory I have is throwing up on the bus ride to the <laughs> airport because um, I get really bad motion sickness. So I do remember that and the smell of exhaust and all that's quite um, vivid. But aside from that, no, not too much. What brought your family to the U.S.? You know, the typical american dream Mm. um my my big uncle actually came out here first uh he set up a company Mm. he needed uh some help so he invited um my parents to come out and and work for the company and till this day that's um that's what they've been doing obviously there were some some things in between, um, they left to do, you know, some other things when, when times got tough. Um, but yeah, they've been with the company for many years now. Um, but it was really for opportunity, you know, for maybe for, for us too, uh, you know, to, to kind of show us a, a better life. Did you ever have any pressure to like, um, go into the family business? 
oh not at all like there's okay. no way man like <laughs> it, it's it's pretty hardcore engineering type stuff circuit boards and all sorts of stuff that's that's way beyond my um level <laughs> yeah I, i'm kind of a black sheep though um always have you know kind of been on the the more creative side i guess so yeah and i guess how was um you know how was that transition uh i mean i guess if you didn't really have any memories of of growing up or you know any of the purity that you spent in in south korea i guess all of what you remember is in the u.s but was there a transition period where you had to kind of adjust to the culture um i'm sure there was um but i think being so young uh, you know it's it seems like it almost seems like I was born here, you know, because, uh, you know, I, we spoke, you know, Korean at the house. Um, but outside, you know, it's, it's, it's English, you know, so it really uh, I really felt American, you know what I mean? Since yeah. since day one, I guess. Um, uh, so, I mean, I, I don't really remember, you know, that transition period. I'm sure there was one. What part of Southern California did you come up at? Was it L.A. or was it outside? It was actually in uh, Buena Park. That's where my uncle, um, he lived in Buena Park. So we stayed with him for, I don't even know how many months or years. But after that, uh, we moved to uh, Santa Ana, which is like Orange County. Um, so we we grew up like my younger years um, up until like, the fifth grade, I was in Santa Ana growing up and, you know, going to school in Santa Ana. And then um, about the fifth, yeah, about the fifth grade, we moved up to, to Corona, which is up in Riverside. Um, so kind of, you know, kind of bounced, uh, bounced around a bit. But yeah, most of my childhood was, was, you know, I'd say in Santa Ana, that's where most of my childhood memories are. And, and Corona was, you know, a big part, like going into to junior high and all that was, was, you know, very memorable as well. So you mentioned being the, the black sheep uh, and on the one that was in kind of the more artistic side. So that, does that mean that there was not other people in your family that were interested in the arts? Was it you were um, kind of breaking new ground there? Um, I don't know if it was necessarily that they weren't creative. I think they're all creative in different ways. One of my cousins, uh, he's a chef. Another cousin, he's, uh, he's very creative, just a, a, you know, jack of all trades, does it all. So, you know, they, they are, you know, there is that creative side. Um, but I think culturally, like art was never, um, really looked at as like a, a career per se. Mm. It was just something, you know, we did for fun. So growing up, it was just a, a hobby. Um, but, you know, I think my parents, like, I, I was very lucky because they never like pushed academics on me so much to the point where like, you know, like other, I see other kids and how kids grow up these days. And it's, it's really tough. Um, but maybe they, you know, either didn't didn't have the time or or really didn't see that see that in me, right? <laughs> you know, I was always skateboarding, and, you know, <laughs> doing rascally things, getting into trouble. So uh, <laughs> I think they just let me be. Did, I mean, did they know that you 
because I mean, it's one thing when parents are supportive of somebody's interest in the arts because they think it's just a hobby and they want to be supportive of their kids' hobbies. Do you think they would have been as supportive if they knew you were going to go into it as a career? Um, to be honest, I don't even know if they thought that that mm. was even possible because okay. we, you know, growing up, we didn't know anybody that was uh, an artist, like making a living, you know, yeah. um, at least like, you know, a visual artist or a painter, um, that type, like it was really foreign, you know? Um, but I think like, uh, it really wasn't until after college or, or I guess like a year into college where I, I was just completely like kind of lost, man. Like I had no, I no idea like what I wanted to do. And uh, a good friend of mine, one of my best friends was actually going to art center in, in Pasadena at the time. And, you know, obviously I was always interested in art and like that really sounded, I think that was the first time where it, you know, it clicked in my mind, like, maybe it is possible, like, you know, cause even for me, like I did, it's not like I realized it was even, you know, a possibility. Yeah. Um, so I talked to my parents and, and said, yeah, this is what I want to do. And they were fully supportive. Um, and, and since, since that time they're, they're really like my biggest fans. So I'm very, um, That's I'm awesome. very lucky in that regard. Yeah. Oh, very cool. You, you mentioned uh, skateboarding a lot and getting into trouble doing rascally things. Does that mean yeah. you were doing street art graffiti at that point? Or no, that come no, later? no. Uh, that was, yeah, that's definitely much later. I think growing up, um, it was, it was really just, we were, you know, we were latchkey kids. We were mm -hmm. kind of that generation, right? Like yeah. parents, <laughs> right? Like we, we had the key to the house. We walked yeah. to school back and forth. Like parents didn't come home until the sun was down. Oh, yeah. So during during that time we had a lot of freedom so we would take our skateboards and just cruise like miles miles um just looking for interesting spots you know it wasn't like it's not like today you know where you can just go to the skate park and put your helmet on and cruise right <laughs> like no i mean it was it was a bit rougher it was like you know back then skateboarding you know was kind of considered a crime like they wouldn't let you skateboard anywhere so you mm -hmm. really had to kind of go out of your way and, and look for these cool spots. And, you know, we would just, you know, build ramps and, and, and go nuts, you know, and stuff like that. Oh, that's awesome. And so you ended up going into Art Center. Um, and I guess, what was your focus at Art Center? I know you were doing graphic design for a while after school. Were you doing graphic design in school? Yeah, I think um, before even considering uh, going to Art Center, I, I just assume like computers were the future. I knew nothing about computers, completely illiterate in, in any software, right? Like I was, I wasn't even using email at that time, but I saw that my uh, sister's older brother was a graphic designer and he seemed to be making a decent living. So I'm like, maybe, maybe I should be a graphic designer. Maybe I need to do something computer related, even though that wasn't necessarily what I wanted to do. I wanted to draw, I wanted to illustrate. Um, but I followed that be just, just thinking more, Oh, what would be, you know, something that I could do as a career afterward. So I went to, uh, went into graphic design. Um, and then halfway into that, uh, they opened up a, um, this uh, you know program for motion graphics mm, nice. so it was you know a lot of like 3d and animation and it didn't really like interest me 
much, <laughs> but all the homies, like all the, you know, all of my friends that like I looked up to and, you know, that I respected were like, yo, this is the direction I'm going. And I'm like, I'm coming with you because, <laughs> right. you know, I really didn't know. Right. Like, it's like I didn't want to be left behind. So I followed that 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 um, direction. And that was what I did after um, Art Center for many years. And was that like Flash? Was that Flash animation? Because I know that time-wise, um, that was around the time Flash was really becoming big. Uh, during that time, it was really just like After Effects, Maya, oh, okay. Cinema 4D, um, those kinds of, you know, those kinds of things. But um, nothing, you know, nothing really crazy. Um, I was kind of more involved in, you know, the design, you know, I would be designing storyboards for music videos, commercials, and, you know, things like that. Um, so, I mean, it was still like creative enough for, for me where I felt like, oh, this is, you know, I could do this for a little bit. Um, but you know, it wasn't like, you know, where your heart was. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't something that fed my soul. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, any free time I had at work, after work, it was dedicated to working on my own craft or whatever. So, so were these fr freelance projects, these commercial projects that you were doing or were you yeah. on staff somewhere? No, I was, I was actually uh freelance the entire time, like, mm. uh, probably for 10 years. Um, okay. but I was really, uh, uh, permalance, you know, uh, at a few, few, uh, studios i didn't really bounce around much so my last stint I, I was there for yeah many many uh years as a permalancer because uh you know i think it was just a, a a thing back then like none of us really wanted to be on you know the payroll like in like as a as a full-time we kind of like the uh the freedom as 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 a freelance artist um is that because you ultimately eventually wanted to get away from that and you just didn't want to be, you know, lo locked in? I don't know. I, I, I had no idea. I mean, during that time, right. Like in the heat of it, I'm like, Oh yeah, maybe this is it. Right. Maybe like, maybe I can open up a, a motion studio and, you know, you know, start doing some really creative projects and stuff like that. Um, but I think that, that, that idea, um, you know, came and went fairly quickly because, you know, like really my, my, my heart was really still into, into the arts. And, and at that time, like, you know, street art and, and just graffiti and everything was just so like, so much more exciting to me than anything I was doing uh, at work. Um, so that's kind of where, um, most of my focus went whenever, you know, I had, had the chance. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you balance that? If you were, if you were working during the day doing all of these commercial projects, when did you make time for, you know, doing your personal work and building up your own craft? It was really, um, you know, I, it, it, it was really tough because I drove like an hour, hour and a half to and from work every day. Um, so by the time I got home, it, it would be, you know, past seven, eight, uh, PM, just enough time to maybe go grab a bite with, uh, with my wife, uh, come back maybe like 10, 11. Um, I would start working oh, wow. until like two, uh, two, three, sometimes in the morning, just, uh, <laughs> like a zombie. And I would repeat that, you know, every day. Um, 
but it was cool because I was so excited um, to do it, right? Like I couldn't wait to get home to work on it. Um, and then on the weekends, I would go out and, and you know, do whatever, you know, put up art or, or whatever it is. So how did you get into, if it, you know, street art wasn't something that you really discovered um, when you were growing up, how did you ultimately discover it and, and fall in love with it? Yeah, I was always uh, fascinated with graffiti. Um, so from a young age, um, it was a lot of graffiti, uh, like cholo graffiti, tagging and uh, gang graffiti type type stuff. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't really like colorful, you know, pieces or anything like that. Um, but that had, I guess it, it always left an imprint in me. Um, and it was something I was always drawn to. So, you know, like in the fifth grade, uh, my buddy Albert was, you know, the first person who introduced me to wild style and, you know, he was drawing these crazy pieces and, you know, with fluorescent markers and <laughs> fills. I was like, wow, what is that? It, was, it, it nice. blew my mind. Um, so yeah, it was just, you know, um, those, I guess those, those early inspirations had, had always kind of stuck with me and kind of resurfaced when I, um, was in, in art school. Um, all those kind of ideas, I guess, just like, oh, yeah, like that's what really moved me. That's what really inspired me, along with skateboarding and stuff like that, skateboarding graphics. And I guess later, you know, it wasn't until I started seeing, you know, like real, you know, kind of more like niche, like street art, you know, it was like it wasn't graffiti. This was something different. These were paste stuffs. These were like tiles. These were like installations. This was like yarn and all sorts of like clever ideas and things. And that was like, it was super interesting to me um, because I knew that I didn't have like the capabilities uh, to do the kind of stuff that uh, other, you know, people were doing in terms of spray can art. Like, obviously I tried, I was like, oh yeah, you know, I want to be a graffiti artist, you know, like that was like, oh, like a dream, right? Like I really want to like, you know, paint pieces and do that. But I, I really had to be honest with myself. Like that wasn't my gift, man. I tried and it was like, just seeing like the type of like talent that was out there was like, there's no way, right? Like I'm, I'm such a scrub. Like I'm just going to stick to what, what, what I know how to do. Um, and that was, you know, that was really calligraphy. Like I've always just been, you know, more comfortable with, um, with, with, you know, I guess like lettering and design. Um, so that's, that's kind of like what I went back to and kind of stuck to, um, obviously in the early, uh, earlier, uh, years, it was really more about like iconic, like graphic illustrations. I thought that that's what I wanted to do. I thought that was like, you know, maybe the, the direction I wanted to go. And at the time it was cool. It was, you know, it was a good way, I guess, for me to kind of share the things that, that I was learning. Um, but yeah, it, you know, obviously I, I, you know, just slowly evolved over time, but, um, yeah, no, to get back to your point though, like, yeah, it was really just seeing all the, the amazing, you know, stuff that was going up and I just got super inspired. 
So, so during that time where you were working the, the commercial work and doing all of this on the side, was most of your energy going into work that you were putting up on the streets or were you also doing, you know, studio, you know, more studio style work, like smaller paintings and stuff like that? Or was it some combination of those things? Yeah. I mean, you know, it was definitely, you know, uh, paintings, uh, I guess like prints, like back then it was, uh, I was doing a lot of silkscreen printing. So in my garage, I would just just print hundreds and hundreds of, you know, we paste, <laughs> nice. uh, and t-shirts and all sorts of stuff, stickers. And, and it was cool because I could just like give it all away. Like, you know, I had a job, so that was a, a way of, you know, supporting my, my hobby, you know, which was the art. So yeah, it was just like, it was just all for fun. You know, I was just, you know, making all this stuff and yeah, I had, had a lot of, a lot of freedom, you know, to, to kind of just experiment and, and explore different, different mediums. So as you were discovering like your style and, and actually, you know, getting the confidence to go out and put some of it in the streets, um, was there a period of it where it was, you know, unsanctioned and then you gained notoriety and it became legitimate or were you always doing, you know, uh, commissioned work or above the board work, so to speak? Oh yeah. Back then when it was like, uh, we pace and stuff like that, it was, yeah, no, there's no permission. It was just kind of going <laughs> up. Um, maybe once in a while, like I would hear from someone, Hey, I have a coffee shop. I have these roll up gates. If you want to come hit it, feel free. And so I'd be like, yeah, let's go. You know? So, um, you know, we would get lucky, you know, at times, but for the most part, it was, it was just, you know, going out looking for interesting spots and, Back in the, those days, especially there was, there was so much art everywhere. You know, even in downtown, like uh, the arts district, it, you know, you you wouldn't be able to recognize it today. It was it's completely different. Um, so it was really thriving, and it was just it wasn't really a big deal. You know, like we were out there daytime, no problem. <laughs> you know, taking our time. <laughs> like it wasn't like we were like you know. You know, like afraid of getting in trouble or anything. It's like, yeah, we're that's just cool. putting up artwork, you know, not hurting anybody. Yeah. That's awesome. When did the uh, the name Cryptic come into play? Was it from the start? Did you have that name from the beginning? You know what? That's actually like uh, something that um, came out of art school. Um, mm. It was like just a, a project I had to develop this this kind of this system, uh, um, branding and all this stuff. And, you know, back then I was really... Uh, interested kind of into um a lot of uh you know esoteric things and you know mysticism and eastern philosophy and and obviously language and 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 typography letter form um and as well as graffiti um so i I just felt like all those things kind of like would be an interesting idea to to explore as 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 an as an idea um so that you know i think eventually you know you know years later when i felt like oh maybe i need a name uh, you know <laughs> an identity <laughs> for this street art thing um that's kind of what came back i, I felt like it was still uh, appropriate um nice because it tied into so many of uh, the things that i was interested in you know yeah no it's cool how th- that even um as your work has evolved over your career, it's still, the name still is relevant and it still seems to fit. Uh, no matter what your, how your style has evolved, it still seems to be appropriate. I mean, I, I don't know. It's, it, it's probably silly. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I see a lot of my friends uh, using their, their actual like legal names now and, and yeah. their, their monikers is just kind of like a little nickname in between. 
Um, but um, I don't know. I don't know if that that would work for me, right? Um, I was going to ask you about that. Like, do you still see the value in it that you once saw? Because you know, for when you're early on and you're doing stuff, you know, right. some some of it's not legal. You know, you kind of have the anonymity in order to protect yourself. But now yeah. that you're doing all these commercial, you know, more legitimate above the board projects, do you still see the value in having that name? Yeah, I guess that's something I'll have to like. Um, I guess, you know, figure out as, you know, as, as time goes. Um, but so far, I don't know. I, I, I do enjoy the, the anonymity <laughs> in a sense. Sure. Um, just cause I'm, I am a pretty private person. Um, but yeah, maybe that's not a good idea. Maybe I do need to explore that a little bit. No, I mean, I, I know you've spoken in the past about just uh, wanting people to focus more on the art than the person and i think that reinforces that idea in a way you know right on right on yeah I, I, who knows right like <laughs> yeah who knows where where all this will go but um yeah i don't i guess i just don't take myself uh, seriously enough to to really i guess you know care at this point right on so how did you eventually transition out of that uh the commercial like the freelance work that you were doing and and what what gave you that confidence to to you know kind of give up that steady paycheck that 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 came with that um, I, well, I was putting up a lot of artwork, um, in the streets at the time and I got an opportunity to, uh, uh, paint the inside of a restaurant in, um, in Venice. So I, you know, left, I, I, you know, took a one month hiatus from work, uh, told them I'd be back within a month. Um, in between that time, uh, I got another call from Nike saying, Hey, we have this other project in downtown LA. We'd love to have you come by and do this. So I guess like things kind of just rolled into, you know, another kind of just, you know, one after another. And I didn't really have time to go back to work. So it's not like I was planning on leaving, uh, my full time. Uh, it just, it just happened organically i didn't take anything with me from work <laughs> all of my files are still on my computer i left everything and just never went back you know it just i guess it just um i got lucky you know so you didn't turn in your two-week notice and <laughs> no no I, but they were so cool they were very That's supportive cool. and um, they totally uh su- yeah understood and awesome so I don't know how the timing lines up with this, because I know you, you put a book out in 2012. Um, so just you know a handful of years after you started really getting serious about it in 2008, um, it called Cryptic Eastern Philosophy. Um, I think it was published by Zero Plus Publishing, um, 84 pages long, and it has a ton of your, your work in it. So how did that book project come about? Was that something that they approached you with, or did you have yeah. the idea for it? No, no, no. I. I would never have that, that sort of idea, especially, uh, that early on in my career. Um, and even, you know, in retrospect, thinking back on it, I, I do feel like it, it could have been, you know, it may have been a bit premature, um, mm. but I was just so excited and, um, just at any kind of, you know, opportunity, uh, I guess that came my way. Um, but yeah, the publisher, um, <clears throat> he's a good friend of mine, Kirk Peterson. He approached me and said, you know, he'd love to publish a book. And I was like, yeah, let's do it, man. Like, you know, I had, I had no idea at the time, you know, I had so, uh, so many photos and, and, and things like that. So yeah, I, I just kind of went with it. Um, but, uh, my work has evolved so much since that time that it's like, um, 
maybe it's good that it's kind of like a little time capsule. You know, it's something that I could always kind of have and, you know, reflect back on. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm working on a, a new book right now, probably nice. just going to self-publish uh, this, this next one. Um, but it'll be a bit more uh, of kind of a, a wrap up of, you know, the past 10 years or so of, of, you know, the work that I've been doing. No, that's awesome. And and so with this new project, um, how involved are you in with, you know, the layout of the book, the copy, like how much are you involved in the actual um, design of the book itself? Oh, I mean, it's, it's a hundred percent, obviously, because we're, we're planning on self-publishing this one. Uh, we're not going to, you know, mass produce them or anything like that, but, you know, just really thoughtful, um, you know, design and, you know, copy and stuff like that. So very cool. And I, I enjoy doing that as well. So, Oh, like the book design or book. Yeah. Layout? Just, you know, design layout and all that, that kind of stuff, you know, plugs into the graphic design. Side yeah. Right. right. <laughs> so when can people expect, I mean, do you have an idea of when, when you're aiming to have that out? Well, hopefully sometime, um, in 2023 um okay. it's not something that i plan on releasing this year because i do have um i have yeah this year's kind of uh kind of full as far as uh, offerings um but yeah hopefully we could have something by springtime summertime next year um you know it would align with with obviously an event or something like that but um yeah maybe at that time awesome very cool. So we, you, you talked a little bit about the early style of your work and how it was more focused on, uh, you know, subjects like spiritual leaders, Gandhi, I know you, you did a several times. So definitely different kind of um, aesthetic. I mean, I think the aesthetic is very, uh, you can see the through line to what you make today, but it definitely has evolved from what you did early on. Um, and so I guess how did Eastern philosophy and, and spirituality in general become such a big focus for you and and especially in that early part of your career as you were getting started i think it's it's an easy entry point um i guess for most you know for most people that are interested in trying to understand the nature of the mind the nature of reality uh i think the you know the the buddhists um many thousands of years ago have you know kind of experimented and studied themselves studied their own consciousness and their own mind um to the point where they were actually like like scientists in a sense so you know i think just uh knowing uh knowing that you know knowing those sort of things uh and i think i was just kind of curious um you know intuitively i think that it felt like you know something that aligned uh with me so um, it was, yeah, it was really just a, a, I guess my, my entry into the realm of, you know, philosophy and, and spirituality. And so that, you know, with the art, it was just a reflection of that, you know, whenever I would learn something or get, get into a new philosophy, it'd be like, oh, let me share that through uh, a visual, right? And it is so, it is very much a mixture of a lot of different um, ideologies, I guess, is it that, is that because you were yourself studying a lot of different ideologies just to try to take an inventory of them or? Yeah, I never, um, you know, I, I grew up Catholic, um, you know, not, not necessarily by choice, but that's just what my family, you know, it was like the first church we found and they were Catholic. So it's what we were. Right. <laughs> um, but you know, I think like in junior high, you start questioning things. Um, 
So, you know, I've always kind of just had that rebellious spirit too. So, um, yeah, I just, you know, really started, uh, trying to, to understand things, uh, on my own, you know, in a way that made, I guess, sense, sense to me. Now it's interesting. Cause I mean, it's, you know, this was a lot of, it sounds like it was born out of a lot of personal discovery for you. Um, and, and I think it's one thing to kind of be spiritual and do that self-discovery. Um, but you actually made that the subject of your artwork, which I think is like another level of commitment um, that's beyond just personal discovery. Like you turned that outward and, and made that a, your own artistic expression. So I guess w- what what was it about what you were learning that you wanted to effectively share with the world, you know? Um, I think there, obviously there's so much, right? But, you know, I think I was uh, just so excited about, you know, learning, learning uh, these new, you know, ways of, of thinking. And it's not like I wanted to impose any specific idea or, or anything like that. Um, but it was just more putting the... I guess that that energy out there um, to let I don't know to to create some sort of dialogue um, because it is confusing if you you know see see a Buddha right and then you see a Ganesha and like, wait <laughs> is this is, is this guy Buddhist or is he Hindu or, <laughs> right. right like it's really confusing um, but for me I never really adhere to like I said it to any philosophy or religious ideologies um i don't know i always felt like every religion every teaching um they were holding like a small piece to the the grand mystery the big puzzle right and and so it's trying to grab all those little pieces and you know put them together and in my own mind that make you know in a way that makes sense so yeah that's what i was i guess trying to do with the art as well saying hey there's there's no one way, you know, there's no ultimate truth. I think right. we all hold, you know, I think there's something to be gained from a little bit of everything. Um, so, yeah, that that's that's really what, you know, I guess I was I was trying to do because that's that's how I was learning, you know. Yeah. No, I really like that perspective. I, I kind of feel very similarly in, in that, you know, setting aside people that try to force religion on other people like we i think we all know that that's not good but each individual ideology or religion seems to have i mean they're all kind of built around this framework for how to live a good life and if you approach it that way you know if you think about it in those terms and you're not trying to impose it on other people and and you're just taking it to internalize it and and have it be a way to lead a good life then then great it can be good things and each one of these religions has different like you said different pieces that are unique to them that you can kind of learn from and so i like the way that you articulated that i think that was good yeah no that's absolutely like the the gem right that's the ultimate um truth and and yeah you you really nailed it that's that's you know that's really all i wanted to get out like you know just let's let's just be good you know good Good people yeah (laughs) And so how did the, the your, how did your style transition to more of what you're making today? Because there's definitely an evolution. Was that a, a very organic process or was it more of a conscious effort to change your style? Yeah, no, it was definitely more conscious. Um, you know, I, I, I never really like considered myself like a graphic, like illustrator, you know, that, that type of person. Um, although I enjoyed, you know, 
drawing, illustrating, rendering, and all that, uh, I was, you know, definitely more interested in, you know, calligraphy and that's that, that sort of thing. So I don't know. I think it was, it was, it was something I, I could, I couldn't see myself doing the illustrative work, uh, as like a career, as like a lifelong career. Like when I'm, you know, 50, 60, could I, you know, still imagine myself doing this kind of work? Like, is it going to be interesting? Um, so yeah, I think, uh, consciously, like I, you know, you know, made that decision to, to focus, uh, more on my calligraphy. Um, cause I felt like that was what came naturally to me. Nice. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's really the, the direction I've been kind of going on since. No, it's really cool. And I, I mean, that's one of the aspects of your work that I personally like the, the most. Uh, and I didn't realize before I started, and I followed you for a while, but I didn't know until I started researching for this interview that that was actually a stylized version of English. I just assumed it was either symbols that you had created yourself just out of your own imagination, or they were a language that I didn't know myself. But it turns out it's actually English that that is just extremely artistic, which I think speaks <laughs> to the fact that, you know, you brilliantly kind of made art out of the word forms, um, oh, which, which I think is amazing. So I guess, how did how did this stylized alphabet effectively come to be? And, and I guess what inspired that direction for you? It probably goes back to my childhood again, looking, you know, just, just seeing all the, the gang graffiti and cholo lettering. Um, because as a child looking at, looking at those, uh, those letter forms, it was, it was very, um, mysterious. Um, I wanted to know more about it. Um, or I was just drawn to it. I think when you, uh, even look at languages, uh, that you don't necessarily, uh, understand visually there's something that that's interesting that's mysterious about it um so you know i think from from the time i i graduated uh uh, art school i really started to explore uh language uh and the origins uh, of language maybe because it tied back into you know graffiti and letter forms and i wanted to understand why you know, why they looked the way they did. Why did these letters uh, look this way? And, and why are there so many similarities between such distinct, uh, cult- you know, I, I guess like uh, writing systems, you know, from Hebrew to Sanskrit to Arabic. Like, I wanted to kind of understand the connection between, you know, these things and get to the root. You know, what was the mother tongue? What was like the original language like not to say that there was one but in my mind it's kind of just imagining you know what what did that look like if if language was something that was gifted down from the gods what did that look like and you know maybe over time that you know disseminated through different cultures and geographies and changed uh and that's why they look different today but maybe at one point they they all, you know, came from the source. Uh, so that was kind of the imagination, right? That was the, 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 the thing I was just thinking about when creating these, uh, these forms. But there's also that, that element of old English and, uh, that, um, you know, that cholo lettering kind of, uh, look, right. Um, so it's kind of just a, a way to m- meld all those different ideas together. 
And and so the for for your use of letters and words within your work, um, how does that come into the piece? Like, do you plan uh, the text out in like does I guess which came comes first, the idea for a piece or the text that's going to ultimately go into the piece? Like, does the text inspire the work, or uh, do you come up with the text after you've already kind of formed the concept around the work? Well, f- for for the newer stuff that I'm doing. Definitely the idea, the concept uh, comes before the work um, because, you know, I have to use those letters to create this, you know, this this form. But I think with the, you know, I guess the older work, maybe the mantra dollars and stuff like that, um, you know, I would have an idea and I would design it and stuff. And, you know, so I guess, no, you know, I a lot of the stuff that I do is really thought out. It's not like I just kind of go for it. You know what I mean? And, and see what happens and then come up with a title. Um, it's very, you know, kind of like thought out, planned and and designed uh, before actually ec- being executed. Okay, interesting. And so you mentioned the, the Montredalas. I wanted to dive in a little bit because that's a very distinctive, um, you know, kind of segment of your work or element of your work that, that you've, you've done over the years. Yeah. I guess, does your attraction to... Uh, you know, the, the mandala motif in general, I guess, stem from that connection to Eastern philosophy? Like, was that bridging that gap oh, yeah. between your old style and your, your new style? Yeah, definitely. You know, just because, just you know, the mandala archetype is, it's, it's prevalent all, all around the world. Um, but especially like in, in places like India and, and Tibet and stuff like that. So um, I guess, I, you know, when it comes to, uh, you know, meditation and things like that it you know it's it's a it's a big part of it mandala meditation and, and tankas in in tibet like are are devotional kind of um you know paintings that that you meditate to um so it seemed like a natural uh i guess uh transition you know from from the stuff i was doing <laughs> obviously it's very different um but yeah you know luckily you know people were able to you know kind of follow me along this journey yeah for sure and and another i think distinctive aspect of your work is your is your use of colors um and you know while you definitely have different palettes that you'll go with one of the most common ones that we see a lot is is gold or silver on black like that's one that you often will come back to um i guess what goes into your your choice of colors and and what palette you ultimately use for a piece and and do those colors kind of represent something to you or are part of maybe that larger story that you're trying to tell? Um, I think, you know, you know, with, with the newer stuff that I'm trying to do, I, I, I feel like I, I would like to create work that's a bit lighter because that, you know, a lot of that dark black background and, you know, gold and, and stuff like that, it does feel a little bit, you know, um, it's heavier. Um, but I always, I always felt like there was something, uh, uh, sacred to it. Like when you see black and gold, it, it felt holy. So that's what I, I guess initially what I was, you know, drawn to, you know, if you look at like, uh, the cover of like the Quran, you know, or the Holy Bible, it's just, it's always black and gold. So I don't know. I was always kind of like drawn to that, but I think in, you know, more recent times, I, I, I've been seeking, uh, more color, you know, maybe in my own life as well. Right. Like, and that reflects in my, in my work. Um, so, you know, I think, uh, it, it, you know, it could be my, you know, 
my lack of like, I don't know, my, my, my palate is very, it's very earthy, muted, you know, it's very quiet, you know, it's probably not like, uh, you know, the most like sophisticated, I, I don't know. Like, I don't feel like I have like the best sense of color. So like, I, you know, the gold and black, the metal, it's, it's very easy for my, you know, for my, my mind to, to wrap my head around. Um, but exploring these, these, you know, these new colorways and gradients and stuff, um, have really kind of, you know, opened, opened my mind and it's, it's definitely more, more exciting, you know? Nice. No, that's awesome. And I guess combining all these things, you know, the, the, the letter forms and your, your focus on calligraphy, the, um, you know, the Montredala work, as well as just your use of colors. What is, I guess, what impact, um, do you hope to have on people that view your work? Like, what are you hoping that they come away with? Um, or is that even an important thing for you? Or are you doing this just as your own expression? And no, that's absolutely, <laughs> absolutely important. That's the only thing that's really important to me. But I hope it it invokes a feeling, you know. Hopefully, one that's one that's similar to, you know, the way that I feel when I'm painting. It's uh, I, I feel like the there's a transmission of energy when you when you're working, you know, on a painting, I think you put that energy into that painting. And I don't know, maybe it's just my imagination or, or, or whatnot, but I, I almost feel like people can feel that, you know, and, um, you know, I've, a lot of people say, Oh, your work so peaceful and stuff like that. Um, and that makes me happy because that's, that's how I want you to feel. I want you to feel peaceful at ease. Um, you know, that's, it's, it's, it's what I'm constantly seeking in my own life. Right. And if I could share that in some way, man, what a gift. Like I've always looked at art, like, you know, it's, it's very selfish, you know, like what are you contributing to the world? Really? How are you helping uh, humanity? Um, so, yeah, I think that that was a kind of, um, I don't know, the, the justification for me um, is if my work could, if it could help someone, then it's, then it's, yeah, then it's, I guess, valid, right? <laughs> then it's worth, worthwhile. Yeah. And so to get, um, you know, if it is this kind of transmission of energy and you're wanting to convey this, this peacefulness or, or this feeling of ease, do you have to be in a certain mindset in order to work? Um, like what is your yeah. studio practice like so that you're in the right headspace? I, I'll, I'll never, you know, it, I'll never just go, you know, and start painting, you know, I, I have to really, um, get myself in, uh, in the right, you know, mind, uh, mind space, uh, before starting during. So there's kind of a lot of, um, I guess preparation before going into a painting, a lot of like visualization and, and getting my mind ready to, to start, uh, to start the work because I, I don't know, it's all part of the process for me. Like once the painting is finished, it's, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind for me. It's, it's more about the, the process. Um, that's most important um, because like I said, like, I'm not like a, like an expressive artist. Like I wish I could be, I really envy that. I wish I can be a Jackson Pollock and just go nuts and <laughs> splash paint around. Right. Um, 
but that's that's not me. So what kind of like preliminary work goes into actually starting on a painting? Because as precise as a lot of these works are and how design focused they are, you think, I mean, they have to be a certain amount of meticulous planning in order to for that to even work at all. So do you create like refined drawings? Like after you've already kind of come up with the concept, how do you get to the point where you're ready to start on the painting? Yeah, it all starts from sketch. You know, I'll do line drawings of kind of the form and I'll just do tens, you know, just, I'll just keep doing them different variations until I see a form that's kind of interesting. Then I'll do a little bit more refined sketch of that. And, um, I guess it's just this, you know, it gets more refined as, uh, as I continue that process. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not like, uh, once I start painting that, that's when, that's when, you know, the process started. It really right. started, you know, weeks, months in advance, you know, on, you know, with an idea. And once that idea, uh, I feel like is ready for the canvas, then, then that's when I'll paint it. So, yeah, you know, the process could be anywhere from, you know, two, three weeks sometime to really flush out. Um, sometimes it's quicker. Sometimes, you know, it just comes out like, ah, oh, there it is. Um, but yeah, there's there's always a, uh, a process of, you know, design, you know, sketching and design. And that's that's more my, you know, I guess my uh, design side, like it's 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 very like ah, meticulous lines, <laughs> you know, just have to be perfect. Right. I, yeah. you know, I wish I could break out of that. It's really like it's really mental. Um, but it's something that also kind of like brings me some kind of like peace or something. I don't know. Maybe that order brings me some kind of peace. I mean, that, that repetitive, like you said, you'll do the same drawing over and over again until you get it right. That sounds yeah. meditative in a way, you know? Yeah. I don't, it, you know, it's like, I always, always look at it kind of like a, it's like a puzzle, you know, it has to like fit, everything has to fit right. The balance, the form, the, just the vibration of, you know, whatever it is has to feel uh, right. Um, so I don't know, you know, for each piece, I'm always looking for, you know, maybe something, you know, a little bit different, but it's always, you know, it always comes down to that, that vibration, you know, what is that vibration, you know? And so when do, uh, when do you bring color into it? So as you're doing these drawings and sketches, like how do you, uh, or I guess at what point in that process does color enter into the picture and, and define your palette? Sometimes it's before, sometimes it's, it's after <laughs> that's, you know, but I'll be inspired by, you know, just just random things, you know, that I see. Maybe it's like a, a dress that someone's wearing. I'm like, wow, I really like the way that fades. Or, you know, maybe it's like a postcard or something and, you know, or packaging. And, you know, I'll have this, you know, rolling kind of a palette, you know, in, in the back of my mind. Um, but if I'm really excited about a certain colorway, then, you know, the idea will obviously, you know, come after that, you know, I'll be, oh, this, I think this mantra or this design would be great with that palette. Um, but sometimes the design will come first. And then I have to think of, oh, what would, you know, the best colorway or whatever, you know, be for this, for this painting. So. No, that's really cool. And, and I know that sometimes you'll use, and very often, um, especially for your, your studio work, um, metallic paints, or you'll have some kind of metallics within the paints. Um, you know, I guess what attracted you to that motif and, and having metallics be part of the, the paint that you use? It really 
comes from, you know, when I was silkscreen printing my own Mm. t-shirts, I would print a lot of gold on black just because it was so, you know, vibrant. And, you know, for prints, I would, you know, uh, you know, kind of do the same thing and put them up um, because I felt like it was, it was the most striking. So I took the, um, that, that idea uh, it's, it was kind of like this powder, uh, this gold powder that you would mix into the uh, water-based ink before you printed. Um, so I always had this powder lying around and I just decided to mix it, you know, with some of my gold, you know, acrylic, um, added, added a little bit of water and it's, you know, I was like, I really like how that looks, but yeah, I think it, it, it was really just, just more the, the, the contrast of the, the ultra flat with, you know, this like really, you know, metallic-y kind of uh, reflective, you know, surface. So maybe that's that's what I was, you know, interested in. No, it's really cool. And several of the pieces that you've done um, over the years have been a, on layered panels, which I think adds a, a completely like fascinating dynamic to it. Um, and, and so I guess at what point in your planning process and, and some of the processes you talked about earlier, do you determine what sub- substrate you're going to work on? Because I know you worked with single panels, multi-level panels, canvas. What what plays into that decision? And is it something that's driven by the piece and the concept or just a desire to work on a particular medium at, at that point? I think when I was doing the, um, or working on the Montreal series, it's they all started out as canvases. Uh, but in my mind, they were always very dimensional and moving and coming toward me. And, uh, I wanted to, um, I guess, try to recreate that, that feeling of, of movement and, and depth, um, in a way that was, you know, obviously I'll never be able to recreate, you know, recreate things the way I see it, um, in my mind. But, you know, I guess it was just a, it was like the, the closest, you know, way, or it was like the, you know, the next, uh, step from a flat canvas to, to kind of, uh, you know, show people that, you know, they're, there was this, there's supposed to be this movement, this idea of depth and, and travel. And they were like portals, you know, like you're, you're drawn into this, this, this thing. So that's what I was trying to, uh, trying to convey, I guess, with, with all those layered pieces. And, you know, there were, those were all like hardwood panels. And that's, that's really just, uh, because I, I had no, you know, other option. They had to be, you know, really, you know, sturdy and stuff like that. Yeah. So it was a way of, you know, I guess getting closer to what you're actually creating in your mind's eye. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if it was exactly what I, you know, what I see, you know, these things would be rotating and moving and coming at you and evolving and transforming. Um, so what you're saying is like a still, like a moment in, in time of, of that, I guess. Yeah. Are there like mediums that you've not had a chance to explore that you'd like to explore someday? That's kind of what I've been doing recently. Um, I've just, you know, just been really uh, inspired to just try different, different, you know, things, different techniques, work with uh, different mediums. Um, I've been sculpting a lot with, uh, with wood. Uh, Most recently I've been um, playing with clay (laughs) I started, uh, you know, sculpting in clay and that's been really fun. It's so, it's so rewarding because it's, it's, you know, it's so fast. I can get to, you know, what I want uh, much, much, uh, quicker than, than if I were working with wood, you know? So, um, 
yeah, I've been just, you know, exploring. I've, I've experimented with like cement and things like that. But um, that's something that uh, I'll probably continue to uh, experiment with until I find something that's like, you know, that makes sense, you know, as far as time and, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Um, and, and I guess for your mural works, there's like this whole other logistical element that you know, obviously isn't present in, in what you do in the studio. Um, you know, you're traveling a lot of times to other communities and other locations and you have buildings that are different shapes and, Mm -hmm. and just kind of going into other people's communities is a sensitive thing just in and of itself. Uh, When you're working in another city, um, on some of these projects, uh, like, are you even able to get to know the, the communities that you're going into? Is that something that you try to, to do while you're there? I think it's a little different, uh, if you're at a festival versus if, uh, you're on, um, like I've, I've, I've gone on, uh, several kind of cultural trips, uh, with, uh, powwow. And those were, those are way more intimate where we would spend weeks with a, a community or a village and, um, really get to know uh, the people and the culture and stuff like that. And that's, that's, that's really what, what, what I enjoyed, um, but even at festivals or, or just at a, a commissioned wall, you know, I'm very um, always, you know, thrilled to talk to the locals and, you know, people that might be interested in, or that are familiar with the work or not. Um, but yeah, I, I love, you know, I love building with, you know, the community and, 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 and that sort of thing. I think that's, yeah, that's the, the, the big reward from, you know, getting to paint murals outdoors. Yeah. And, and I guess how much does the unique, you know, characteristics of, of a neighborhood that you're, that you're painting in and, you know, I guess the people of that neighborhood, how much does that feed into your concept and, and the ideas that you come up for that piece? A hundred percent. It, you know, I think the, uh, the architecture itself, the, the culture, the area, uh, all those things, you know, will, um, kind of dictate the the design the direction the the copy you know whatever it is that i'm uh putting up uh i i'm i'm fully aware that i'm always a guest uh, when i come into these communities so you know i would i would hate uh for for my artwork to offend somebody uh or or make someone feel a certain way um other than you know positive right uh so you know, I try to be very conscious and aware of that, um, at all times. Right. Awesome. And, and I guess, does your, does your process for developing an idea for something that's ultimately going to go up on a wall, does it differ than the process that we talked about a little bit ago for your studio work? It's probably a bit more challenging, but I, I think that's what makes it, um, more interesting because you're dealing with, uh, you know, you're dealing with, with, I guess, you know, different spatial, you know, um, I guess, uh, dimensions you're working with, you know, height and, and, you know, these, these crazy sized buildings, uh, at times. So, but overall, yeah, the process is, is fairly similar. Um, I think you have a bit more creative freedom, you know, with some of, some of the outdoor works, depending on, you know, the, the architecture and the space, you could probably do something more clever, uh, and interesting. Um, versus just work on canvas. Um, Interesting in the sense that it plays off of 
that building or yeah or the environment um or something there's 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 a correlation you know to to the space whether it's just the colors or uh the idea the imagery whatever it is uh, it should feel like it belongs in that space versus like you know like being very obtrusive so yeah no it's interesting because it does definitely kind of create a dialogue between you know your art and the community Mm -hmm. um which i think is a very you know, intimate experience. Um, so I, I guess between studio work and, you know, which is, you know, ultimately destined for galleries and the work that you do in the streets, do you prefer one or the other? Um, do, does one have a bigger place in your heart? Um, not necessarily. I think they're, you know, they, they both kind of give me the, um, the balance that I think I need when I'm in the studio for, for too long, it can get it you know, get a little crazy. I feel like ah, I need to get out. Yeah. Uh, but when I'm traveling, it's, it's also very demanding and, and, and tiring too. So it's, you know, oh, I can't get wait to get back to the studio. Uh, yeah. And, you know, there's, you know, there's good and, you know, good and bad, I guess for, you know, for both, um, but mostly good, you know, like I really enjoy the, you know, the back and forth. It's, it's like, a, it's a really great uh, life balance for me. Awesome. Very cool. So let's talk about what you have coming up. What is, what's been your, your main focus for, for this year and what does the rest of 2022 look like for you? Well, this year I've been, uh, just kind of up until this point working, uh, towards some, you know, working on some group shows, little things here and there, commissions, wrapping up some commissions. But right now as any free time or spare moment that I have, I'm dedicating toward this, uh, this new body of work that I'm developing. So obviously, like, like I said, it's a bit more sculptural, a bit more, uh, you know, dimensional. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the, the idea that I've been exploring. Um, so hopefully within, you know, the, you know, the next, uh, you know, year or so I could, you know, share that with, uh, with you guys. Um, but that's something that I guess the, the biggest thing I'm trying to work toward. It's been a long time since I've, uh, done anything, uh, in LA. So that's, uh, that's been kind of, uh, the, I guess the goal with, with this newer, newer body of work. So, you know, I feel like, yeah, I would, I would love to share it with, you know, the people here. Amazing. That's exciting. Yeah. And so that's, you're, you're anticipating that's probably going to be sometime in the next year or so. Yeah, probably 2023 sometime. Okay. Yeah. Do you already have a gallery that you're partnering with the, on? It would, I don't know if it'll necessarily be a gallery. It might just be, you know, more of a, you know, pop-up type event or, or who knows, maybe it is a gallery. I'm not exactly sure how we want to, um, put it out there um but yeah we'll see it's awesome yeah we'll see how it all comes together that's exciting i'm 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 stoked um i guess anything else that you have going on that you'd want to put on people's radars events print releases stuff like that um i the i guess the the biggest thing or the most uh uh recent um upcoming offering is my first uh, uh wall sculpture multiple it's kind of part of the the newer body of work that i'm working on and uh, it was my first, uh, actual, you know, large scale wall sculpture. Um, but the, uh, the multiple will be, you know, it's like two feet wide. It's, it's much s- smaller scaled down version, but, um, yeah, I'm stoked to finally get that, um, you know, get that, you know, stuff out there and hopefully people will be able to follow me on this next, uh, this next chapter. So is, is that piece titled Shangri-La? Is that the... No, this new the one, wall multiple. This one is titled Satchitananda. 
the okay. truth consciousness nice. bliss. Yeah, it was kind of more of the uh, kind of a landscape one. Yeah. Nice. And so where would uh, people, I mean, I guess, would they follow you to find out more about that whenever it's going to be available? Yeah. I mean, you know, on my Instagram, on, you know, website, I'll, I'll definitely um, uh, put the word out there and, and give people a advance, you know, heads up and all that. So Awesome. Exciting, man. Well, I'm, I'm excited for all that you have coming up. That's really cool. So I guess last question, and this is something that I like to ask everybody. Uh, who is one artist that you'd like to see me have on the show? Um. Have you had Chaz Bohorquez on? No, no, I haven't. Uh, he's really the godfather of like Chicano lettering in LA and obviously been a big mentor uh, and supporter of my work. So I, w- I would love to um, hear his, his thoughts um, and, you know, his history. Obviously, he has an incredible, you know, history um, coming up in LA and, and doing what he's doing. Um, and, you know, I, I yeah. I always look up to, you know, just, you know, or, you know, the, the people that, that came before me. Um, so he's been a huge inspiration. We'd love to, to hear what, you know, you guys, you know, talk about. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Cryptic. Thank you so much for doing the show, man. It's been really good to get to know more about you. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Michael. It's been a pleasure. Anytime. So that's it for this episode of Art Affairs. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Cryptic. I really love what he had to say about the impact that that he wants to have on his viewers and how it is, you know, the most important thing. It's interesting, you know, several of the folks that I've talked to on on previous episodes have mentioned how, you know, they try not to get too caught up with how viewers of their work think about it or how they interpret a piece, you know, to try not to let that influence what they make in the future. That just, you know, getting these ideas out of their heads and having this outlet for expression is all that really matters to them. They're not as concerned about how people interpret that work. But for Cryptic, it was very clear that he cares a lot about how his work makes people feel saying that it was the literally the most important thing, that being able to evoke a sense of peace in someone is an enormous gift and a, a, almost a privilege. And he described it as this transfer of energy, this peaceful energy from him through his work to his patrons. And, and I thought that was really powerful. It sounds like he has an exciting year coming up, uh, a brand new monograph more than... 10 years since his original book, which, you know, he did say was perhaps a bit premature, having only been, you know, working for a couple years at that point. And, and, you know, considering that his art style hadn't, you know, fully developed into the style of work that he makes today. So it'll be super interesting to see, you know, this new book and how it contrasts with the one from 2012. It sounds like he's aiming to have it ready to release sometime next year, and he's doing all the publishing work himself. So from the ground up, it's going to be entirely him. Also targeted for next year is the release of a brand new body of work that he's already started working on. And it sounds like this new body of work is yet another evolution of his style, going in new directions in terms of, you know, more varied color palettes, uh, new materials that he hasn't used before, and completely new formats like these wall sculptures. Oh, and he's even got a limited edition run of a wall sculpture multiple coming out later this year as well. 
So for all these exciting new offerings, be sure to follow Cryptic's Instagram to stay up to date with the latest. So thanks again to Cryptic for joining me today, and thank you for checking out the show. I'm truly grateful for your support. And just a reminder, one big way you can help out if you're really enjoying the show would be to check out the show's Patreon. You can find all the details on patreon.com slash artifairs. And as always, you can contact me through my website at artifairspodcast.com or on Instagram at artifairspodcast. So until next time, be good to yourself and be good to each other. Also, abortion is healthcare, and healthcare is a human right.